Can we get up for the band? Good job, you guys. They caught me off guard. You guys caught me off guard. You're, I was into it. Yeah. So good to see you all this morning. You excited to be in the house of God? Oh, come on. Are you excited to be in the house of God? All right. I just want to make sure I had the right group of people because I'll go over and preach to the kids. <laughs> uh, I love our kids' ministry. Hey, can we just real quick, uh, I did this in the first service. We have an amazing team that makes Sunday happen from those that come at 6.30 in the morning. You know, there's people that are here at 6.30 in the morning setting up for you, praying for the room, practicing, getting ready, kids' ministry, setting up, rehearsing, doing all of those things. Our prayer team, the parking lot, the crew getting out, doing all of the signs, making sure you all know where to park. Come on, let's give it up for everybody who makes Sunday happen. The production team. You guys are amazing. You're amazing. And so uh, if you see somebody wearing a lanyard that says, welcome, uh, Influence Church prayer team, uh, any of the kids ministry team, just thank them. Thank them. You know the ushers, you see their faces. Thank them. And uh, they do such a great job that sometimes it feels like we don't need any help. Maybe that's even you sitting here. You're like, hey, how can I get plugged in? It doesn't seem like they need any help around here. We need help. So I'm telling you, if you want to get involved, want to be part, of course, link group, but we call it the link crew because we want you getting even involved. If not in a group, get involved in our teams that make Sunday happen and just be in a part of community. And if you want more information about that, see Link Central, Pastor Bethany and the team, and we would love to see you be a part of what God's doing. And uh, so yes, give them one more time. Let's thank our team, production team, kids team, the crew. And uh, I'm honored to be here today preaching uh, in Pastor Phil's place, and we're excited to uh, be able to just see Pastor Phil and the, all of the, we got uh, several, actually somebody said to me uh, earlier, what a great attendance, knowing that there are many of our loved ones and friends who are with Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy over in, uh, over touring in Italy and doing just a, a discovery trip, and so that's just so exciting to see them and be there with just many loved ones and our dear friends here at Influence Church. So Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy will be back uh, and we're excited to just see them resting, relaxing. And I don't know how much, I don't know how much Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy are actually relaxing. So we need to send them on a trip after that. Because <laughs> if you know anything about facilitating people and organizing schedules, it's a lot of work, right? So we may need to send Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy on a vacation after this. But uh, we love them so much, and we're honored to be here uh, and just serving with them. And um, what else? Are you ready to hear something from God? I don't have anything to say to you, so let's just, let's, God's laid a message on my heart. I don't want to waste any more time. Uh, not that any of that that I said was not important, very important, but uh, this is why we're here, to encounter God and his word, and just an amazing, sweet time of worship, and uh, it's about the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. No other name but the name of Jesus Christ, and to say, Holy Spirit, show up, and uh, we thank you for the mission statement of Influence Church but we're here for Holy Spirit to continue to pour through us into Anaheim Hills, into Anaheim, into Orange County. God's doing something amazing in our midst. Let's be a part of it. We are a part of it. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a part of what God's doing. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're a part of what God's doing. Look at me and say, I'm a part of what God's doing. Don't forget yourself. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have the opportunity to be here today. Lord, uh, maybe we thought it was by a coincidence, but it's truly been by you ordaining. You've looked down through the pages of history, 
And at the cross of Jesus Christ, you said, whoever would believe in me would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus, we thank you that we're here by the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, yes, in this physical room, but in the spiritual realm to be in your holy of holies, to enter into your throne room, God, to worship you, to magnify you, to exalt you. And God, also, we thank you that you speak to us and we hear from your word. God, your word is living and active. I thank you for every nugget, for every seed that those that are here today have picked up along the way, God. I pray over it that it would, re- that it would return a, a bountiful harvest. But God, those seeds today that you will sow into our life, God, I pray that you would advance the kingdom of God mightily through every hearer, through every doer. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So uh, if I were, not uh, but if I were to title my message for today, I would call it Half Dead. Not exactly the most appealing title that I could think of, but that was the title God laid on my heart. So this message, I've got to give you a bit of a foundation of where this message came from. Um, And it's been kind of a a peculiar way that God laid this message on my heart about uh, half dead. But I had a dream the other day, and this would have been probably two or three weeks ago. Um, Sorry, it would have been the week of the prophetic conference. Who was here for the prophetic conference? Come on, where are you at? Who was touched by that, blessed by that? Woo, what a great time. Well, the, that was on Monday the 15th. Sorry, 16th. Monday the 16th of September. That Sunday night, the 15th, I had a dream. And I'm not gonna, I'm gonna spare you the details of the dream, but the, basically the thing I need you to know about today is in this dream, there was, uh, at the, towards the end of it, there was this, uh, there was an accident. And uh, in the accident, there was, this, there was this corpse that was laying in front of me as I'm at this scene and um, pretty, it, the corpse was in a bad condition. Actually, the body, uh, I don't want to say corpse, but the body was in a bad condition. And as I'm looking at this body, uh, the first appearance, there was the eyes. It was specific that the eyes were missing because of the accident. And I could sense that it was because of the pressure in the accident had like dislodged the eyes. And um, so I don't know what pressures you've been going through in life, but do not allow it to steal your vision. Okay. I don't know what you're going through, but do not allow it to steal your spiritual vision. It may be pressure of finance. It may be a relationship pressure. Whatever pressure, do not allow it to steal your vision. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Your vision, the Holy Spirit comes to give life. The Word of God comes to give life. Jesus Christ has come to give life and life abundantly. He wants to give you vision. So these eyes were missing, and then I, the, the body was charred beyond recognition, so I couldn't tell the gender. And... But there was still this sense of life that the person was holding on to. And I remember the first response was, I need to minister to this person, like, physically. Like, if it's try to resuscitate, whatever that was, I just knew that I needed to react. And so I noticed there was nobody else around. So I start to move forward. And as I do, I realize that, there, that the situation is worse than that, than my first analysis, that actually the body is, like, half. So now, as I'm getting there, I'm feeling this overwhelming sense of urgency to not necessarily minister to the natural person now because I felt there was not much that could be done. And so all of a sudden I feel this compassion to minister to the spiritual, prepare this person for eternity. And I remember, you know, feeling the, the, the ability or the capability to be able to do, you know, just to start talking about eternity. Look, it's going to be okay. Not that physically it was going to be okay, but spiritually it's going to be okay. You're about to step into eternity and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and start ministering to the spiritual side. And I woke up and I'm, and I'm, 
I could not shake this dream as we came to the prophetic conference and there was a lot of stuff that had to happen on Monday to just facilitate that. And the whole time I'm thinking half dead, half dead, half dead, half dead. And as I was going through the day, the first thing that I felt that happened was God like asked me, he, you know, which how many of you know, when you're reading the word of God and in a relationship with God, self-evaluation is part of this journey. And many times, even whenever it's correction, because God shows you something, Right in his word, by a dream, by a vision, by a friend coming up and saying, hey, y'all did that wrong. Okay. So I felt this first, like, I felt God saying, what's the half dead areas in my life? And I was like, okay, God, like, I repent. Like, let's get this aligned up. Let's, and, uh, but how many of you know, that can become, as you're mature in Christ, that can become part of your daily routine, weekly routine, however often you need to do that. So that becomes part, but then it gets a little bit more uncomfortable. And how many of you know there are people that we walk by every day who are spiritually dead? And as I felt this kind of self-examination of God mirroring the word up to me, I felt an overwhelming sense of urgency of like, well, how many people do I walk by daily that may be naturally alive but spiritually dead? And I felt this is all happening while I'm running around hustling, doing things here at the church. And I'm feeling this like, God, half dead. Like, Lord, how many, God, like, what can we do? And all of a sudden, the verse, um, I was reminded of the parable of the Good Samaritan, where this man in the, in the parable was left alongside the road, half dead, as he had fell among some thieves. So I challenge you today, I challenge us today, uh, really to evaluate the, in our life, where is there half dead stuff? Maybe it's in our own life. Maybe you're walking by yourself every day, ignoring the half-dead things in your life. Maybe you're walking by people in your daily routine that if we were able to say, and which I believe that we can, Heavenly Father, I ask you to give me the spiritual eyes to see what's happening spiritually in people's lives. Are they spiritually dead? Are they spiritually alive? And then what's spiritually, what, where are the half-dead things in our city? Where are the half-dead things here in our community at Influence Church? Just where there are needs that are met that if we're, not, if we're not careful, if we don't go checked, we can just keep walking by them in the busyness of life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? In our city, there are people, I was getting my hair cut one day. I totally, there's a gentleman who walked in to the salon where I get my hair cut at. Thank you, Mimi, for making my hair look great. <clears throat> The next week, I didn't know this, but Erica had an appointment made at the same place. I'm in the same place, and the same guy walks in the same, and I didn't see him the week before. And we got to talking, like, just in the conversation, and he over, must have overheard me last week, but this week, whenever we encountered each other, we got to talking about some God stuff in the conversation, and he said, I've never told a God-fearing man that I'm an atheist. How I walked by, I walked right by him the week before. I felt God challenge me at this. Nate, if you don't slow down, there are people you're walking by every day that if you would, if you would sense my spirit urging you to just slow down enough to really make eye contact with them and listen to what they're talking about and hear me whisper to you what their spiritual situation's like. We got together for coffee and he said, you know what? I just wanted to see if you were a real person to see if you were a good friend. That was it. He just wanted to see if I would be genuine or true to my word and show up for coffee. There are people we're walking by every day. God, are they half dead? 
are they alive? Are they fully alive? God, show me. Help me to avoid the tendency to just look on the natural. And they're, you know, they're wearing nice clothes. They've got their hairstyle. They're driving a decent car. Or they're not driving a decent car. Whatever it is, you know, we have all these things. But God, help me to see what's really going on. Because when I saw that body in the dream, it helped me to realize there's an urgency in the hour that we live in. There's an urgency in the hour that we live in. God, help us that we don't tolerate half dead in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. So let's get into this. Amen. Are you ready to hear? So you know what today is? Do you know what today is? Coffee day. I didn't know that. (laughs) Cheers to the good coffee. Thank you, Bodie Leaf. You know you have three different picks. Hot coffee, hot decaf coffee, or cold brew. Pretty good. Pretty good, right? I think it's a pretty good setup. Well, I wrote this down in my notes before I found out that it was coffee day, but today is a day that somebody is waiting and, wa- and just looking for the opportunity for you to walk by with the presence of God. They are wanting the presence of God. They're actually wanting a cup of Jesus rather than a cup of coffee, and they're wanting to know if you're going to help them to have that cup. I wrote that down. You, today is a day that someone is looking for an encounter with the presence of God, and that's you. You're the one who is the one carrying the presence of God. How is the world going to see the glory of God? How is the world going to experience the Holy Spirit? You and I. That's it. That's it. So let's get into this. I want to read these real quick so we can kind of understand the context of where this is coming from. But Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And they're going to put it up on the screen if you don't have it. But if you do have your Bibles, you can turn in there. Luke chapter 10. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him. Now, don't shut me off right now just because I said the term lawyer. This is not, we have many lawyers in here too, so your ears perked up, but those of you that are like, oh, lawyer. Uh, this, is a, this is a religious lawyer who knew the law. That was the Torah. So this man, probably from the age of four years old, would have memorized, learned, you know, weighed out, dug into the Torah, which was the law. And so these individuals were called lawyers. So don't think of our context today. Think of biblical context, understanding the law of God. All right. So this man stood up and he was testing Jesus. That's who the hymn is. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Has anybody ever wondered that? Anybody asked that question? So that's a pretty valid question to ask. What must I do to inherit eternal life? I just want to kind of make sure I've got all the boxes checked, right? Anybody else? Anybody else with me on that one? Like, yeah, did that, check. Did this, check. Came to church, check. Good, got my, you know, Sunday best on, check. We're good. Okay, this man tested Jesus with that. And then, listen to this. Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? Remember, this young man would have, or this man would have had this memorized. And what is your reading of it? And so the lawyer answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Okay. And he said to him, Jesus, you have answered rightly. Do this, and you will have life. Praise God. But he, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Somebody say half dead. It's a bad place to be, half dead. Now, by a certain chance, a priest came down the road, And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, the Levite who had arrived at the place came and he looked and he passed by the other side. 
But a certain Samaritan on his journey or as he journeyed came to where he was and he saw him, he had compassion on him. And so he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took two denaria, he gave it to the innkeeper and he said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come, I will repay And so which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among thieves? The lawyer said, he who showed mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Holy Spirit, speak to us today as we dig into your word. Just There's a lot going on in this story. So I want you to kind of think of it from many different perspectives. Of course, the perspective of the man who's there half dead and the perspective of the Samaritan who's coming to minister to this man. But there's going to be three points we're going to hit. Love God, love self, and love neighbor. So love God, love self, love neighbor. And then point number two is going to be, let me dig down here to it, left half dead. And point number three is going to be love, mercy, and unity. So if you're taking notes, those three points, uh, and we're going to be done. So somebody say, whew, we're going to get to the buffet. (laughs) Or you're going to get to the coffee while it's hot. (laughs) Or cold in that case. All right. So what must I do to inherit eternal life? So the challenge that the lawyer brought to Jesus was one of which he understood the depths of in the natural, I believe. Because if you know anything from these verses, he actually was quoting the Torah and he was quoting Deuteronomy chapter six, which every household would have memorized this portion of scripture as like we do our memory verses that we give the children, right? Anybody know the Lord's Prayer? That's one that, you know, kind of today is one that we memorize, you know, Psalm 23, those kind of things, you know, Psalm or John 3:16. This would have been something that these young children would have grown up memorizing, all right? And so I just want to dig into this for a quick minute so you can understand. And Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. So how, the Lord your God is what? One. But he's a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We don't have time to go into that, but he is one God. And he says that you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Okay? Sounds pretty close to what the man quoted. And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. So it's a little bit deeper than just memorizing it. In your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about that when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. So what was going on here is this was to be um, a declaration of a relationship, not just a religious ritual, which it had really come to be in this period of time when Jesus is talking to this lawyer. They were just trying to check off the boxes, but Jesus was trying to dig past that and get into the heart of the situation or the issue that was at hand. And so uh, if we dig into some of these meanings of this word that this was quoted, uh, it'll help us to understand. The word heart in the Hebrew means the inner man, the spiritual person. So you're to love God with that innermost part of your being. Um, I've heard Pastor Phil say it before many times that, you know, how do I know that I'm saved? Why? Because I know in my knower. There's a place that's deep in my knowing. And that's what, when you become a born-again child of God, when you've experienced salvation, that newness, that vitality of life that you're feeling, it's because your spirit person is now made alive, right? You may have 
felt that. You look outside, the grass is greener, the sky is bluer. Does it mean that it's changed? No. There's something that's alive, and that's your inner being, your spirit person, who was dead and disassociated with God because we're all born into sin, is now connected and made alive in the spirit realm with spirit God to your small spirit person. Amen? That's the inner man. You're to worship God with that inner person. We're going to talk more about that in John chapter 4 when he talked to a Samaritan woman about how we worship. So that's the inner, the heart. You're to worship God with all of your heart. Now, the next part that he said is you're to worship God or you're to love God with all of your soul. It speaks of your, it speaks of your soul person, which we can kind of associate a little bit more with that. But that's your appetites, the places of decisions, your being the seat of your emotions is your soul person. So when your spirit person is born, when you're born again, your spirit person comes alive. That's what it means for it to be resurrected. And your soul, your process of making decisions and your intellect and your thinking, that is being sanctified. That's what being born again means. Work, David said, I will work out my salvation with fear and trembling. What did that mean? Was he talking about his spirit person? No, he was talking about his soul, like the, the, the thinking and the decisions and the seed of my appetites. I'm not talking about your food appetite. I'm talking about your appetite. Have you ever lost, have you ever lost control of your appetites? You know, you get into a little bit of lust, a little bit of greed, a little bit of envy, those kind of things. I'm comparing my neighbor. You know, it's like whenever, you're, whenever you notice that you're starting to lose control of the seed of your appetites, you've got to examine how is my spiritual person? Am I worshiping and am I in this intimate relationship with God and my spirit person? Or is that starting to like, you know, if I don't water my plants, you know what happens to the plant outside, right? It shrivels and starts to dry up. If I'm losing control, if I don't have any self-control, if I'm losing the fruit of the spirit, you know, it's like, I don't, I, I don't have any of it. I need to say, God, where am I at? Where am I at spiritually? Where am I at in my innermost being? Have I fed my inner person lately the word of God? Have I been in the presence of God lately? Right? Because in the presence, there's fullness of joy. In the presence of God, something happens in those encounters with God. So the soul person. And then you're to love God with all of that. You're to actually invite God into this process of making decisions. That's where this weighing out and like I said, evaluating yourself sometimes. Am I, am I doing this with the right motive? Why am, I, why am I making this decision, right? So I'm to worship God. I'm to love God in my heart. I'm to love God in my soul. And then the last part is that we're to love God with all of our strength, our substance. I love this word, the muchness. We're to love God with all of the muchness. So with everything that's at my exposed, at my disposal, at my resources, be it my personal strength, be it the things that God has given me stewardship over, property, whatever, thing, like that, I'm to worship God with all of that. So a young man is to worship God with his strength. A young woman, a young man with their beauty. But as you grow older, what happens? You still have other things at, disposed, at your disposal, your wisdom, your experiences, the, maybe your network. We're to worship God with all of the things, all of the muchness that he has blessed us with. We're to love God with that. How amazing is it that God would desire this much intimacy with us? This word love that is used in the Hebrew, it speaks of even the love intimacy that's between a, a husband and a wife. That's, that's pretty intimate. And God says that 
we're to be at this kind of relationship with he and ourselves. God desires us to love him. And then the next part was to love my neighbor as what? Myself. Do you hear this? That here is this challenge that first off, I've got to love God. And can I be honest with you? Unless God gives you the grace to do that, we don't even know how to love him, right? We talk about loving pizza. We talk about loving food. I talk about loving my car. I talk about loving my wife. I talk about this, but naturally, I, that doesn't compute. So when you're at the place where you may be feeling challenged to go in a deeper place of intimacy with God, in, in a love relationship with God, in knowing him and allowing him to help you in the decision-making process, there's sometimes you got to throw your hands up in the air and say, God, I surrender. I can't do it. I don't know how to love you. And unless you give me the grace, unless you influence me in a divine way, I will not know how to love you and to worship you and to acknowledge you in my spirit person, in my soul, in the resources and the things that are around me. Do you hear that? God desires that relationship with us. And so we, the, biggest, the best place to be at is surrender. God, I simply don't know what that means right now in this season of my life, but I'm willing to learn from you. Right? So this man repeats that. And I want to just touch on this real quick because we don't have a whole lot of time to touch on. So loving God, and then there's like this kind of in-between place that we can skip many times. That I'm actually to love God and I'm to love my neighbor as what? I love myself. I feel that a lot of times the problem is with loving the people that are around us in society, we can't get, yes, loving God is part of the hurdle, but the next part of the hurdle is me coming to the okay with who God has created me to be. First off, if I'm having a hard time dealing with people in society around me, how's my love relationship with God? And then the second thing is, is part of the hang up, me not loving who God's created me to be? Is, is, am I okay with who God created me to be? The best things that when I look at, when I self-evaluate and I'm like, I love this about you, you know, I love this. But then there's also the other side of it where I'm like, I wish this wasn't in here and I wish I didn't have that part of my testimony. And I wish I, does anybody relate with me? There are things that you need to come to an understanding with that God loves you. He loves you with where you, what's brought you to the table. He loves you. What's brought you to the table. He's, and when we start to acknowledge him, we can actually see his hand upon our lives in the midst of the mistakes we made. I talked to a man the other day. He was, uh, he was an atheist. And he, when he told me about his testimony, he said, to be honest with you, now that I'm a Christian, I can look back over my life and I can say, God was meeting me there. God was trying to get my attention here. And now that I can know, and now that I know who God is, I can see it. I recognize him. There, there's things that we need to come unto. Uh, we have to see it the way that God does from heaven. God loves who you are. Why, are you, why do you hate you? Right? There, you know, when I got born again, I wish that my ears would have miraculously like lined up. Like I got one ear that's higher than the other. My eyebrows are like, you know, and we got an app that can show you who has the perfect face. You don't. We got to come to the grips to just say, God, I love who you created me to be. And I'm okay with not being the person that's beside. I'm okay with not comparing to that person because God, you haven't compared me to any person and you are thinking about me constantly. Enough that he would know and take the time 
to design your fingerprint to be uniquely yours. Every person's eye. Do you know every person's eye is different? Not, there's not one set of eyes that are the same. And he said, let that be a reminder of how much I love you. Why are you dissing on what I created? And so if you're having a problem loving your neighbor, sometimes it's because you need to get comfortable with who God created you to be. The funny things, the quirky things, right? I'll get to that a little bit later. All right. So I think that what happened in this conversation, though, Jesus caught this man in the midst of a lie. Have you ever caught anybody in the midst of a lie? Right? You know, they kind of like, you know, sometimes the face color changes, like white, red, down. You know, it's like, oh, (laughs) we were having great eye contact until something went wrong. We were having a conversation, well, not on purpose, but well, on purpose. We were riding to school with the kids the other day, and uh, there was a there was a jolly rancher that I remember hearing a conversation about the night before. And they weren't the Abbey and River were not allowed to eat this jolly rancher because, of course, they're going to bed. So there's one left, and I thought that there had been an agreement. But when we're on the ride to school the next morning, I see that River's eating the candy. Much to my, I thought there was an agreement. So River's eating the Jolly Rancher, and Abigail just noticed who was who had the Jolly Rancher, and she proceeds to say, "River ate my Jolly Rancher." And I look back at River in the rearview mirror, and I said, "River, was that your Jolly Rancher?" And he was like, "This, Abby gave it to me." <laughs> like, I could see his eyes. Yeah, Daddy, it's my Abby gave it to me. <laughs> I think that lawyer, the same thing happened. I think that there was a part of the conversation where they're making eye contact. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because for some reason, this man felt the need to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus the question, who's my neighbor? Explain to me. Tell me how good I'm doing is really what he was saying. Can I check that box off too? And Jesus says, as we get into the left half dead part, There's a certain man who went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. The thing you need to understand about this is this man's a Jewish person, okay? He grew up knowing the Torah, worshiping God in Jerusalem, you know, on the temple. And what would happen in their pilgrimage to worship and offer sacrifice is, if you know anything about the the map, so Galilee is up here and Jerusalem's down here. And to get to Jerusalem, Jerusalem from the Galilean area, they would travel. The most direct route would have been through Samaria, but what they would do is they would kind of like do a dog leg around the side and go down and take a longer route to Jericho. And then when they would get to Jericho, they would go up to Jerusalem. So it could possibly be that this man was coming back from worshiping this person who fell among the thieves because he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho and then heading most likely back up to Galilee, but avoiding the Samaritan area. How crazy. Right? Maybe you've ever, have you ever done this like me? You're at the grocery store and you're like, whoo, not going down that aisle. I just saw that person. <laughs> Even if it's not because you're not liking them, but maybe it's you're avoiding a conversation. Come on. I mean, I've been there where I'm like, if I get in that conversation, I'm going to be, dinner will be late. I do love where we live because I love running into people. And then, of course, thank you, Erica, for always being gracious because she's like, dinner is going to be late. And I'm like, I'm talking to so-and-so. <laughs> but I love that. So this man's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed him, leaving him half dead. Pretty bad way to be, right? Half dead. Somebody say half dead. So on the road, of course, you have to understand this is a deep valley, and thieves would would be in these caves and in these rocks, and they would 
anybody who'd come along. But it means to, when it means that he fell upon, that it just, it was a surrounding. It was in the midst of his surrounding. It was like he just fell into this thing. He was in this area where there were known to be thieves and it was just, it was surrounded where he was at and he fell into this. If you, you know, people don't get up in the, in, the mid, in the beginning of the day and just say, you know what, today I want to meet some thugs and I just want to get all my belongings taken and I want to get beat within an inch of my life. The same thing, I've talked to people that talk about, you know, how did I get myself into this situation? How did I get myself into this mess? We find ourselves falling into stuff. Can I tell you that you may have found yourself fallen into something, but you're not half dead. You have opportunity. You're breathing. You're, eye, you're alive. Your eyes are blinking. You have the opportunity to be fully alive in Christ Jesus. You have the opportunity. And so clothing represents his identity. He was stripped of his identity. The enemy desires to strip you of your identity, leaving him so they left him. They departed, leaving him half dead. You may have had a divorce. You may have had a situation, a business deal, a circumstance that was just so cut off and it felt so wrong. I want you to know something. You have the opportunity to be fully alive in Christ Jesus. These things that the enemy we were talking about has meant for evil, God is going to use them for good. Do you believe in that? The Holy Spirit comes to seal you to seal you for salvation, but he also comes to seal the promises of God in your life. The enemy comes and tries to take away what is rightfully yours. Don't ever forfeit that. So this man's laying there half dead. It means to be entirely exhausted. Have you ever felt exhausted? There are people that you're walking by that are spiritually exhausted every day. They're spiritually exhausted. You may be spiritually exhausted. The rabbi came and he looked at this man, the priest, and he said, there's thieves around here. I better get going. I don't want to end up half dead either. But could it be that he was already dead? Dead people can't help other dead people. When I go, when I, when I need help, you know where I don't go running? To the grave. I go running to an empty grave, Jesus, right? He's not there anymore. I go running to him. I go physically running to maybe a hospital or something. But dead people can't help dead people. Could it be that the person who was on the side of the road naturally dead? Could it be that the priest was spiritually dead? Jesus was actually challenging this Jewish lawyer that same thing. You know the law, but you don't have a relationship with God. Because if you had a relationship with God, you wouldn't be asking me this question, who's my neighbor? The, the Levite came down and he said the same thing. Oh, I better get to the other side. I don't got time for this. And he walked on the other side from where this man was at. But how many of you know there's a Samaritan coming? Somebody say Jesus. So Samaria, you got to know something about this group of people real quick. This group of people were, as the Israelites were inhabiting the promised land that God had given them, there was a group of Jewish people who started to intermarry with the pagan people that were around them. And as they married these people, the Jewish people looked at them and began to shun them because they were, in a sense, a bunch of half-breed people. And they started to tell them that they couldn't worship in Jerusalem and they couldn't be, and they shunned this group of people. And so this has been passed on down from generation to generation to generation that now you've got young people that as they're challenged with the question, who's my neighbor? They should be neighborly like to them. They should be loving them, but they're shunning them. I want you to know something, that Jesus Christ is fully God and he is fully human. This Samaritan is a picture of Jesus Christ. He's coming down the road, 
And this Jewish person, as you know, even when he gets to the end of the story, he never calls him the Samaritan. He calls him the one who showed mercy. So, but there was a Samaritan who on his journey, he came to where he was and he saw him and he had compassion on him. He went over to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, set him on his own animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. And on the next day he departed and he took two denarii. That actually means two days wage. And he said, if you spend more than what you would in two days, I'm coming back and I'll repay whatever you've spent. So I want you to know this. This Samaritan comes over. He gets off of his animal. He gets down. He starts to bandage the wounds. The Bible says he pours oil and he pours wine. The wine is representative of uh, what would happen is, so you've got the oil and the wine. You've got the spirit and you've got the word. The, The word is anointed like you have anointing oil. The word is anointed, Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the son of God, the word of God who was made flesh and dwelt among us. So you've got this oil, and what they would do is they would first pour the wine on that, though, and the sting, how many of you know the word of God stings when you read it sometimes? You're like, man, I just wish I could rip that page out of my Bible. Life would be easy. That's God's word, and he, but the sting of the wine had alcohol in it, and then what they would do is after they had the alcohol in it, they would take the oil and they would rub it over to begin to soothe and to begin to, to get some ease to the sting of the alcohol. God's word will sting, but he comes and he anoints you. He has a giftings and callings and abilities for your life that the world needs, right? The word of God's going to sting, but you're there to love on them, to love on them as a neighbor and help to use your giftings, your talents, and your abilities to exalt and glorify God so that you are not leaving people half dead, but you're giving people the opportunity to be fully alive in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody give God some glory. So he came and he poured oil And he poured wine. He poured the word of God. He poured the spirit is what that's a picture of. And in John 4, Jesus actually had a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And he actually said about to the Samaritan woman about worship. And he said, there's a time coming when those that the father that are seeking to worship the father, or actually the father is seeking them to worship him. But the hour is coming. Look at this. And is now when true worshipers will worship the Father in what? Spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is what? Spirit with big S. And those who worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. Do you see how that's, do you see how spirit is spelled? Little, little spirit? That's your inner man. That's your inner person with the truth, the word of God. God has, listen, God's Holy Spirit has sealed you for salvation and the day that he returns, but he's also sealed you for calling and purpose, giftings and anointings that you can love your neighbor as you're able to look in the mirror and love yourself and you're able to say, God, I love you and from the deepest place in my heart. Amen? Amen. God is looking for those that will be like this Samaritan. And Jesus even said, speaking of making an impact and loving your neighbor and letting no person half dead, Jesus said in John 14, when he was talking about the promise of another helper, which was the Holy Spirit, when you look that up in the Greek, the word actually means to adopt you. The Holy Spirit is that one who seals the adoption that God has given you. And so John 14, it says this, if you love me and keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Jesus is a helper, but the Holy Spirit is another helper. And he will abide in you forever. And the spirit of truth who the world cannot receive. Do you see that? Who the world cannot receive. Why? 
Look at this. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you, and I will not leave you as orphans as I come to you. So the world cannot receive him, but I want you to know something. The Holy Spirit's here ministering to us and drawing us to know the Father, but it takes a man or it takes a woman to actually put that into action and to preach the gospel or to invite you to church and however that looks. But the Bible says that the world cannot receive him. So the underlying challenge is there. If the world can't receive Holy Spirit on their own, then they need you and I to be the one that's there to be the representation of Holy Spirit because we're full and God's pouring us out into a half-dead world that's saying, if you want to know God, let me help you know God. If you need to know God's love, let me help you to demonstrate God's love in your life. Amen? You're the one that God's called so that the world could see Holy Spirit moving. God God doesn't desire to live in a box anymore. I believe that's why we can't find the Ark of the Covenant because God desires to live right here. Jesus even said, we will make our home in you. The Holy Spirit, God needs us to be, just as Jesus Christ exemplified in this picture of the Samaritan, the one that is least likely, be the least likely to somebody around you. Be the one that's coming with life because of your relationship with God. Jesus Christ walks through the road of humanity as the Samaritan, helping and pouring out himself onto our lives. But we become the ones that are his. He is the head, and we are the body of Christ. Look at this. Psalms 19, verse 17, or verse 7 says, God, your law is perfect, and it converts the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and making wise the simple. Sometimes we overcomplicate what God wants to do but he simply wants to use you. In, your, in the things that you would say are perfected and in things that you would say God's still perfecting, God wants to use it all. If we'll stop disqualifying ourselves and know that God's Holy Spirit wants to do a mighty work in and through us, that whenever we would walk through this world, just like Jesus was represented in that Samaritan walking down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, the least likely person Look for, those, look for the least likely opportunities and ask God, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, by Holy Spirit, help me to see what people look like from your perspective. What do they look like? Are they fully alive or are they half dead? Is it someone that's just waiting for somebody to give them a cup of Jesus Christ, the presence of God, and say, let me help you know the one who I know loves you the way that he loves me. Because God sees things completely different than we do. He doesn't see them socially, economically, color of skin, race. He sees them as someone who was worth the blood of his dear son. He, God the Father, sees them. Did you ever notice our Father who is in heaven? When you pray that, you're giving the opportunity for every person you walk in across, across your day that that prayer could be their prayer too. Our Father who is in heaven. God, help us to see the love and the compassion that you have. There's an urgency behind the hour. Do you know that God, is, his grace and his peace, as Peter says, has been multiplied in you, the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, as his divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Do you see that as a child of God, there, is, there should be no shortcomings. We have the ability that by the love that God has for us and by the power of the Holy Spirit and by his word being poured out in the day that we live in. I mean, you know, Peter said that we that there today 
The day that we live in, God is pouring out of his spirit on your sons, your daughters, your old, your young, your servants, your maidservants. God is pouring out of his spirit. And, the, and Peter said, there is nothing that we should lack pertaining to life and godliness through him to be the glory and the virtue. God wants, to, God wants you to shine in the places where you're going. As Erica was even talking about earlier, what does it hurt a candle if I take it and I light another candle? It hasn't, depreci- it hasn't depreciated that candle at all. Guys, let us continue to shine. We're doing an amazing job. But there are people that we're walking by every day that are still half dead. There's 350,000 people in Anaheim. 350,000 people in Anaheim. God, help us that we see how your heart hurts for that. 350,000 people, we're doing, I mean, our services are filling up. We're having to take more ground. But if 350,000 people wanted to know Jesus today, what would we do? God, help us to see the urgency of the hour. So as we think about this today, Jesus has paid the price for it all. For you to have no areas in your life that are half dead, that continually every day, you're able to say, God, I love you with all of my heart. God, I love you with all of my soul. God, I love you with all of my strength. God, I love who you've created me to be. I'm okay with that. Even though my boss may call me this or my bank account may say this, God, that's not how you see me. And God, I thank you that I can love my neighbor. Not because it's a feeling, but because it's a choice that I make. Because you chose me to be a person, to love you, to love who you've created me to be and what you're doing and who's called to love my neighbor. So maybe in this, maybe today, as you look around, maybe there's some areas in your own life that seem to be half dead. Let's all stand to our feet. Maybe as I've been talking, you were even challenged with, do I really love God? Do I really love God? Maybe you never heard about that there's actually a spirit person in your makeup. Of course, you know you have emotions and you know you have a body, but maybe you never knew about a spirit person that has to be alive in Christ Jesus. I want you to know something today that God is in this room. Jesus Christ paid a price for you 2,000 years ago to have a relationship with him, that your spirit person could come alive. If that's you in today, if you wanna take a step of faith and you wanna pray a prayer to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior and that your spirit man would be alive, that you could start this journey of loving God, you could start this journey of coming to understand who God has created you to be, you could start this journey of loving your neighbor, but if that's you today, if you'd say, I just want to understand what it means to love God, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand if that's you in this place. And look, you may be saying, well, there's some people's eyes that are open around me. I don't care. Heaven's looking. Heaven's watching. Heaven's rejoicing right now. For those of you that are raising your hand, all of heaven is throwing a party right now. This is the greatest miracle. We've seen some amazing miracles in this house, but this right here is the greatest miracle for you to say, Jesus, I was dead and I did not know you, but now I am alive and I'm your child. This is the greatest miracle. So let's pray with all of those who have raised their hand this morning to say, I want to know what it means to love God. I want to be in a relationship with them. Are you ready to pray with them? Heavenly Father, we give you our lives today. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for loving me through your son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross 
that I may be your child, that I may know him as my helper, that I may know Holy Spirit as my helper. Come into my life and make me new. I pray resurrection power in my life right now in Jesus' name. Maybe there's some people in here who you've, you've got some areas in your life that you would say are half dead. I don't wanna go beyond this because sometimes it's easy to walk by the mirror and ignore yourself. I don't know what you've been going through. Maybe it's has tried to access your life through finances. Maybe it's tried to access your life through fear, through worry, through doubt, maybe through a relationship. But God does not want you to be blinded from that thing, but he wants you to help you in that area of your life. Unbelief is what causes our heart to get hard. Maybe there's been an area in your life where you maybe thought God wasn't big enough or maybe you thought God didn't love you. I don't know what it is, but there, some of us in this room today, there are some half-dead areas in your life, but the Savior Jesus Christ has walked through the road, walked by your road today, and he's not letting you in that roadside like you are. Do you hear me? He's saying, get up. I'm pouring oil and I'm pouring wine on your life. I wanna leave you full of life. So if that's you, I want you to lift your hand up in the air. God's in this room today. For whatever half-dead area, whatever half-dead area of your life that you'd say, God, I'm done with that. I'm not settling for that unbelief anymore. Heavenly Father, you see us with our hands raised, Lord. You know what area is being represented in faith, God, of an area that would be half-dead, an area that would be maybe hardened by unbelief in our heart, God. Whatever it would be, a relationship, maybe it's been a divorce, maybe it's been a financial thing, a business deal, God, whatever it is, Lord, we are not gonna ignore it. We're thank you that you are in this place today to take that from us. God, you said, cast every care upon me because you are the one that cares for us. So Jesus Christ, today by the lifting of our hands, we give you that care. Lord, it's yours. God, make that area alive. God, as you upbraided the disciples with the hardness of their heart after your resurrection, God, would you soften it in belief, God, that we will continue to believe in the promises that you have for us in Jesus' name, that we will be those that will carry life to those that are lifeless, that we will carry life to those that are half dead, that we would no longer just see people for who they are naturally, but we would see beyond by the spirit eye. We would hear what your spirit's saying and we would minister to them in the spirit place for who you see them to be, for who you've created them to be. And no matter what the enemy has tried to hold them back in, in the name of Jesus Christ, no longer pour out, O oh, spirit in our lives, pour out in us every day where we go, what we're going to, the conversations we're in, in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray, God, we thank you for, re for resurrection power in this place today, resurrecting dead things in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ.